the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Spot Track on your browser. Get 40% off that first year subscription. Download the app. Tell them who you love. Tell them what sports you like to watch. It's exclusive ad-free content at your fingertips and plenty of content that we'll be referencing today in a couple of areas. A, uh, to start off here, Cousin Dan and I are going to talk Juan Soto because what else is there to talk about right now? It's a, it's a more than 50% possibility, in my opinion, that this thing happens over the next five to six days. So we're going to break down how this thing could look, what kind of packages we're talking about, what teams are really in, what teams maybe should be in from a positional standpoint. And uh, we used plenty of athletic pieces slash podcasts to kind of organize our thoughts and organize our data. So please uh, check out theathletic.com slash track today. Fantasy football people, it's time. I just set my draft for the upcoming 2022 season. I don't think the moves are done just yet. There's uh, people retiring. There's trade rumors. Jimmy Garoppolo is now available to be moved or uh, at least be released. So still movement, but Dynasty Owner allows you to handle that kind of movement. Real NFL salaries, real NFL transactions. You got to move when the NFL teams actually move. Start it today at DynastyOwner.com. Use code SPOTTREK20. Get yourself a little bit off at registration. Get in there. Get that customized Dynasty League set up and start building for the 2022 season today. That's DynastyOwner.com. My name is Mike Chinetti. As I mentioned, Cousin Dan joins me to start this thing with a baseball conversation about Juan Soto about the Nationals, about where they're going, about what the, tra- the sale of that team might mean, about which teams are in, what those packages might look like. What if it's a rental? What if it's a long-term? All the different variables, you know, Scott Boris, all the different things that are going to matter over the next couple of days for a team that's looking to and maybe really trying to acquire Juan Soto. So that's the first half of this show. And then Scott Allen joins the back end for Live Golf. A big announcement yesterday that there's more money, more tournaments, Lots more buzz coming with that. And we haven't even really got to the TV broadcast, the streaming broadcast, any of the announcers really that are going over there. There's a lot more to come, but they're, uh, they're backloading this thing with cash. Uh, Scott talks about what that means for Live, for PGA, what kind of things we might see changing on their side of it. And then just a little bit on the NBA to, to kind of recap us where we are with James Harden and Kevin Durant and some of those trades that are percolating on the, on the West Coast in terms of the Lakers and the, and the Utah Jazz. So that's the agenda for today. We'll be back this weekend with, I hope, a big Major League Baseball trade deadline piece. Hopefully, we'll have a couple more moves to, to be discussing. And NFL camps are underway. I'm doing a lot of work on SpotTrack.com for this. I've done my money tiers for quarterbacks, money tiers for wide receivers. The running backs are coming as we speak. And we'll be breaking down just some of the, the, the more daunting moves. I've got, I've got a big Kyler Murray contract breakdown if you want the nuts and bolts of that. What happens with Debo Samuel here in the next couple of days? I'll be monitoring that. Like I said, Garoppolo's probably on the move. I would imagine a release and then a re-sign, but it's not a boring summer vacation for the NFL teams. And oh, by the way, Deshaun Watson and that suspension situation has to be coming to a head here in the next week or so. So plenty to get to, and uh, we'll be discussing most of that this weekend. But today it's a little bit of baseball with Juan Soto, a little bit of golf, a little bit of basketball at the back end. All right, Dan, I've done a lot of work on Juan Soto. There's been a newsletter article. There's been certainly an evaluation process. I've been holding off on the trade stuff until we got a little closer to the August 2nd deadline because I didn't want to kind of dive in or throw my weight into the hot take mess. I don't think that's where we are anymore. And that's going to be question number one for you. How realistic is Juan Soto being moved in the next five, six days? I think it's super realistic at this point. I, I know in the past several weeks when we've talked about it, there's been some hesitancy from like new ownership sale perspective uh, and among other things, but um, I think it's got legit legs and I think they're uh, to lay that part out. I think teams would be more willing to, to up any package for him to get that extra year of playoff um, Mm -hmm. playoff value. If they're a contending team, however, if, Washington did wait until the off season. They could probably get a few more teams that might not be contenders who want to try and buy him and re-sign him for the long haul. But um, yeah, I think it's definitely super possible. That, and if not likely or probably going to happen. Yeah, I think it's over, over 50% right now, if I had to guess. I mean, all the major outlets aren't just 
putting together what ifs. They're basically saying when ifs at this point. And the Nationals front office, Mike, Rose, they're 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 speaking to this as if it's in motion. The wheels are in motion. They're answering questions like, "Are you going for the biggest haul, or are you going to try to reshape your roster in terms of some of the dead weight and the Strasburgs and the Corbin salaries?" Um, and the answer is, we just want to get the best pound for pound prospect haul for Juan Soto. They're saying that out loud, Scott or Dan. So, so I have to believe then that they're taking a dozen plus phone calls on this on an, on a daily basis, and they're probably going to select one. So that's the next question, because <laughs> I believe there are twelve teams strongly in right now, based on MLB.com and the Athletic and plenty of outlets. I, I guess I'm just going to give you carte blanche here. You you give me the teams that you believe have from all angles the best opportunity to, to land Juan Soto in the next five, six days? Uh, that's a broad uh, mm-hmm. context of it. But um, yeah, first of all, to that other point, I'm not, I'm not totally sold um, that Corbin won't be included in this. And that's not just like posturing for the fan base in terms of we're we're going to just try and um, mm-hmm. like attach him at the sacrifice of getting a lesser package. I think the package would still be massive. It would just take it from a big package to a huge package if Corbin got included. So instead, like, I think the the consensus is that it would turn into like one really exciting player and a few throw-ins if Corbin had to be included versus like a package of four or five legitimate prospects if um, Washington retained Corbin. So um, can I counter that? Yeah, go ahead. I'm not throwing him in this. It's three years. It's about 70 million left. It's a lot. And he's bad. And he's only getting older. Uh, that's for the next ownership to figure out. <laughs> right? I mean, yep. they're going to be paying nobody. Zilch, zilch, Strasburg and nobody for the next two to three years. That's what this move is going to signify. So just pay this guy. Let this guy go out there and be bad and maybe have a couple of great starts. Make this guy the... the the reason you have a, you know, a $50 million payroll, but it's not like they're going to be taxpayers. It's not like there's anything. You understand what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't screw up this massive trade piece. Maybe the biggest trade piece ever in baseball history to throw in $70 million or, or eat, you know, eat 50 of, of 70 to get this guy off your roster. He's a pitcher. Everybody needs six pitchers. Just make this guy way overpaid for three years. And don't include that. I wouldn't attach that mess to this for anything. Not for anything. I have to say, I, to- I totally agree that that is the correct way to do it. I guess I'm just a little bit hesitant. Oh, yeah. That We've they seen the other like plenty that, of times. I get it, man. Yes. You know, we see yeah, plenty so we, of teams I, do it. Yep. <laughs> happens all the time. So that, that's my only point there is that I'm not totally convinced on that. But um, it, it, it is, to be clear. It, it's the right way to rebuild to just sell Juan Soto and get a massive package instead yeah. of cluttering it up with all this, you know, str- with a Strasburg or Corbin contract. But regardless, to your actual question, there's a number of teams here that would be theoretically involved right now. There would be probably more in the off season, but like I had just said, the the third year, the potential third year of um, playoff value would would pretty big in my opinion yeah um so that's where it, it's really hard to know i mean we're just guessing at what washington is targeting like i said is he, are they gonna attach a corbin contract or you know even we even don't know if they're looking for high-end prospects or just a massive mm-hmm package of lower end prospects that might be ready in like a window three to five years from now, rather than I wouldn't think um, so. I, I would think it'd be the former there. I, I mean, I, I get it. Maybe, you know, are they thinking more long-term, but don't you think, and I, I'm being objective here. Don't you think this hall is massively important to how they go about shopping and selling this franchise? Because if you don't have Juan Soto, you better have five or six names, right? You better have an arsenal, two pitchers, an outfielder, a stud infielder. You better have all the components that look like a baseball team to be able to sell to the next owner. This is why you're about to spend $3 billion on us. You know what I mean? Like uh, this, the work has already been done. You just got to take this thing over. It's going to be turnkey in three years. If you're, 
if you're buying A prospects, you know, s- single A prospects, not not you know, graded A prospects, you're you're giving somebody a, a prayer. Like it, most of them should work out, but you never know. You know what I mean? Like that's not how you sell anything. <laughs> right, right. So that's why they should also, in theory, like you, like you, I I agree with you that they should focus on more MLB ready. Yeah prospects or guys in the league already with low service time so so just get it um, out of the way just say the dodgers then because obviously they're yeah, there they're going to be in every so conversation the, Do- the dodgers have to kind of be the favorite um yeah i mean they have the best combination of depth throughout their system um high-end prospects uh major league like good major league talent mm-hmm. they also have the obviously the the financial ability to lock him up long-term um, and they're always in on any big move that is happening. So I, I think they're, they have to be the favorites in my opinion. Um, and then really it's just a toss up of other teams. Um, I think the Yankees are obviously going to be involved, but I do think maybe that's a little bit more like of a fan base fantasy uh, at, at the moment. But um, I just don't know if they, they have, they also have a strong system depth. I don't really know if they would construct the package with um, the Aaron judge uncertainty, but I guess I just talked myself into another thing. Do you think that changes their outlook? The Yankees? I, I do. I, I do. I, I think the Yankees are more poised for Juan Soto in 2025. Interesting. You understand what I'm saying? Right, I, I right. don't think they're in a position where they want to get rid of their prospects for any reason, uh, because I think they already would have, Dan. I think, I think we talked about it in preseason. They just didn't do enough to that pitching staff. They knew it. It had to be purposeful. It had to be, look, we got three studs. We know we have some middle infield players, an outfielder, and an arm down there that, that are going to draw attention. They have. I mean, there's actually two shortstops down there, so that there may be a little bit of wiggle room but I think they really like where they're headed over the next 18 months and getting Juan Soto now would sabotage that. But being the Yankees of old in 2025 and offering 500 million at 40 million a year, that would be something that nobody else would want to do. You understand? There's only probably three franchises, two others that you're bidded against at that point. So, and by the way, that's another point I want to bring up with you. This is a two-step process, right? Not every team that's trying to acquire Juan Soto right now is, is trying to acquire him and give him $500 million, right? Some, the Dodgers might be, you know, some of these might be, but for the most part, this is a two and a half year acquisition. This is not a 15 year acquisition, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's what makes this so interesting is you're going to get two, probably two different types of packages presented because those teams like the Dodgers, anyone who can sign him to that $500 million contract and have depth yeah. in their system are probably going to give a little bit better of a, of a package. But I do agree with you that there's a number of other teams that are, that would just simply be looking to acquire him for two and a half years. Can I, can, exactly. can we play that game? Cause it's a money show, but I'm going to go down the list of the, of the teams that are at least in, and this is majorleaguebaseball.com reporting this. So it's at least feasible. You tell me if this team would pay Juan Soto his value. San Diego. Yeah, San Diego is like in this MLB article where they pulled, I think it's 17 general managers. They they predicted where they think he lands. The Padres were first with eight with eight GMs picking them. Yep. Um, man, I have a hard time. They have so much committed to Tatis right now. Um, they've really depleted their farm system in recent years, although they do still have a few guys down there that they could put a package together for. Um, they would just be gutting it. And then it would really be to me to answer your question. If the Padres made that move, I don't think they're paying him. No, it's a, it's a win now window and it's not going beyond the, the three years or the two and a half years. The Padres are interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, the, you know, the three po- prospects that are being floated around, two of them are already major league baseball ready and at the, and at the level. Um, so they've got some experience under the belt. And, and the third, um, who is an outfielder is an a ball. So it's kind of a staggered offer 
would it not also would they not overpay from a prospect standpoint right now to get rid of the Hosmer deal, right? To get off some of the salary that they have in, in preparation of maybe being able to pay Juan Soto. I, 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 that's why I think they're being picked so much, Dan. I, I, there's a lot of elements to the Padres. You're right. The Tatis stuff is has a bad taste in our mouth right now, but I don't think it's going to very long. I mean, at some point in time, he's going to be healthy and, and doing what he can do. Now, the pitching stuff is weird because they've acquired like four all-star pitchers and none of them are working out right now, but the, I, I get it. I, I get that this is a team that has kind of gone all in twice and they haven't done it. They haven't been able to leap that Dodgers wall. And this is certainly the way to do it. It's a Hail Mary toss. So, I get it. And, and I think Washington would be extremely interested in what they're dangling out there from, a, from what we've talked about. MLB ready, an arm, an infielder, and an outfielder. It's just got to be attractive based on their needs and what they're looking to do over the next couple of years. So I, I don't totally agree that they wouldn't be payers, but part of an overpay right now could be shedding salary in a player like Hosmer. So I, I like them at the top of this list a little bit more than you do for that reason. Not to mention San Diego getting them means the Dodgers didn't. And it's kind of like a double play for them, right? They get them and the Dodgers don't get them. So I, I, I get why those two teams are kind of at the top of all these lists. But uh, I think unlike you, I think the Dodgers and another team, the Mariners, or, or excuse me, the Padres and the Mariners, you know, a lot of these West Coast teams, I think they're all in it for the long haul. Maybe they don't pay him immediately, but I think that they would overpay to get him now from a prospect standpoint, do their due diligence, and then make the best offer in 18 to 24 months. So I, I think there's a reason they're at the top and it's not just because, you know, it's the hot stove kind of bacon out West. It's to me, there's a little bit more reality to it. Yeah. And these GMs polled are definitely smarter than I am with this. So obviously there's credence to this, but like the Padres, you mentioned the Mariners. I know you like them with them. Yeah. A lot of their talent is more MLB ready. So that's, what's going to be interesting if Washington targets that from those specific teams timelines, though, I'm a little like they're good now and they have MLB ready talent now. But beyond that, I'm really not sure where their systems are at long term. They're going to have to keep um, buying. Yeah. So, yeah. but but that's that's the dilemma. Is are you gonna are you gonna sacrifice all the high end talent in your top heavy farm system to go get Juan Soto and then not be able to pay him? Like, so that's the only reason I think a few of these teams are more of just like a short term buy mm-hmm. and wouldn't really be players beyond that. But I get what you're saying too. I mean. <laughs> It's it's uh, anyone who listens to this knows I always lean prospects. I really like the unknown. I'm a prospects guy. Mm-hmm. I, so I I hate parting with prospects in a trade. This is the one time. Yeah, this, this is, is totally unprecedented different. territory. You do it. You you just package them all up and you get them out the door if it means Juan Soto's coming back. I'm just trying to line up timelines beyond that. Once you get Juan Soto in the door, you have him for two years, and then what's your outlook? That's why I think the Dodgers are best suited to buy now, hold or extend, and they're really not going to take a step back. In it. But they're obviously the easy one. The the Padres, the Mariners have a little bit more nuance to them, right? They do. Um, let's talk about the short-term buy because I, I have a sneaky feeling that's what Washington ends up doing. Sending him to a team that maybe isn't a top contender right now is more of maybe a fringe or even falling backwards because of just the way things have gone, but still has those kind of prospects and almost definitely won't be paying him in three years. You understand what I'm saying? Because A, I think that's going to be the most attractive to Scott Boris. Scott Boris wants to get the free agents, okay? And he knows if he goes to the Dodgers, they're going to be bothering him every goddamn week <laughs> about, well, how about 425 at 12? You know what I mean? Like. But if it's the Rays, if it's Tampa, isn't there just a little bit more comfort in knowing this is a $60 million rental for two and a half years? You know, that's what it's going to be. 60, 65 when you, t- when you toss in the remainder of this salary plus back-to-back arbitrations of you know, 27 and 34, whatever the hell it's going to be. It's going to be big. 
So just just renting him is still going to cost you, you know, upwards of seventy million dollars. But um, don't you think that there's a realistic situation where Washington just poaches all those great, you know, raised prospects who they know won't be won't be getting paid in three years anyway, and and uses their development process, which has been maybe as good as we've had in the league in all decade, to rebuild their system knowing Juan Soto will go there for two years, two and a half years, and then hit that open market. It, is it inconceivable, Dan, to think that they could buy back Juan Soto in three years? Oh, man. <laughs> Why isn't that being said? Because if, I they, don't know. Because I... if this trade goes correctly and, we're, and we really are bringing back three to four Major League Baseball-ready prospects for, in the next two years, aren't they going to be a great team? Yeah, pr- I mean, potentially, but I, it, this is not going well. Like, he's not exiting. But it, th- this, this is not like a mutual, sorry, we just can't do it. It's He's not pissed about it. You don't think so? No way. No chance. No I chance do. he is. I, I, they won, I, they won I the World Series together, and he was the reason. And, and, and it's, just, it's just how these, I mean, you're a Cleveland fan, man. You know how this works. It's just an, an up, the, up the ladder, down the ladder process. And right now, they're in a down the ladder process. And this is what teams have to do that aren't the Dodgers and, and some of these big boys. They have to do it. And they have the, it would be the ultimate trade and sign, maybe in sports history. But why would we rule it out? Why would we rule that out? Oh, I guess I haven't really thought about it until right now. <laughs> I got to bring I, something new to the table, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I mean, he, they are basically, he basically came out and said he was interested in signing long-term. Yep. I mean, do we believe that with Boris? I don't really know, but he said that he was interested, but he felt that they didn't even come anywhere close to his actual value. And th- th- now the all-star travel stuff, it seems like that was kind of That's like a fair. little bit of dr- that, that was like a little stir up. So it feel, it feels like this departure was kind of like, I feel like your value is here. Or I feel like my value is here. You come close. And they said, here's the best we can do. And it's like, it, it was insulting to him, maybe to some degree. So can I just give you could, one more could wrinkle? Could be conceivably, sure. But because I, there, I don't. there is another wrinkle. In two and a half years, I'm pretty confident somebody else is going to own that franchise. And somebody else is going to be the general manager of that franchise. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so, I just don't. Th- I, I mean, I, I don't. It just so rarely happens once a guy no leaves town especially under these circumstances that um he'll find greener pasture somewhere else like you you once you have this guy you just don't let him walk out the door if you have any intention of trying to get him back i guess i guess that's where i land on it so uh, yes and no I, I i'm not i don't think i fault washington one iota for this the, do you think anybody does outside of nets fans who are just you know the diehards do, do you think well, anybody's mad at washington for doing this i mean yeah i would be like the circumstances are not ideal, but they're also in this situation where they feel like they need to rebuild it because right. they haven't developed any players in seemingly a decade. I mean, so yeah, I like, I don't, I don't necessarily feel bad for them at like, they do they need to do it? Sure. But like, they kind of put themselves in this situation to begin with, you know, yeah, like, it's fair. Uh, you're right. I mean, there isn't, there hasn't been, a swing in the mist drafted prospect come through there outside of Strasburg. And, and by the way, that went exactly how we thought it was going to go. Yeah. And I just, I actually just listened to MLB.com guys talk about this and they came up, they went through, they tried to come up with comps in terms of, of the most recent player to hit the market and th- whatever criteria they use, they basically came up with two comps in the history of baseball, mm. Babe Ruth and Miguel Cabrera. Those okay. are like the only two, and the Miguel Cabrera package was like wildly, wildly underwhelming. Yep. And so like you just, the, the chances of that value even coming close to the superstar that you have. So if you have any intention and this is going to be a 10, 15 year contract, like as an organization, you're hoping you're going to compete in, in a decade within the next decade. So I just don't, if you, re, if, if, they were run a little bit better. I think that they wouldn't be backed into a corner essentially on. I can't argue with that because I mean, they're lucky. This quite is, a bit. They're actually lucky to some degree. They're lucky. This is happening two and a half years out. Right. Cause we've seen once if this waited another full year or year and a half, and he only has one year of team control and everybody in the league knows that they have to get rid of him. 
like yeah the package would still be big at that point but mookie. i mean there's yeah, we've mookie. seen that happen yeah mookie all you know it, it almost happened with jose it, it, it's happened a ton of times so yeah um it, it's kind of it, it was kind of nice that they both sides like you know drew a line in the sand and yeah um i you mentioned it before and i'm going to answer your question with my best subjective guess I don't think it matters where he goes, Dan. I don't think Boris is signing a contract. Me neither. And that's where I land on it too. Yeah. So in knowing that if I'm Washington, I'm being massively selfish about this massively. And we've talked about it a lot. They do have a development problem. So I'd be going to the best development team in baseball in Tampa Bay. That's where I'd be going. I'd be starting there. I'd be making that phone call myself if I'm Mike Rizzo. And I'd be saying, look, we love everything you've done. Okay. You know, we're willing to spend three times what you spend, but we want we want what you've got. Uh, that's just where I'd start because a, I think the most important thing that franchise needs is more pitching. They need to replace Strasburg. They need to replace Corbin because those wheels are just falling off right now. You know, they started that process with Josiah Gray for for the Turner Scherzer contra- or trade last year, so there's at least a, a horse in the barn. But you need one or two more of those, and and, and as we discussed here, probably one player at each position group from there, an infielder, an outfielder, and an arm. So I'd be looking at Tampa Bay all day for this. Now, is Tampa Bay in a position to sell Dan after the Wander Franco contract and some, you know, some other moves like that? Where, where are they right now in terms of a Juan Soto package? Do you believe that they have the horses to get something like this done? Or are they downwards of a, a kind of a home run swing here? Interesting. They've they sort of have taken a little bit of a step back this year in terms of like mm-hmm. having just like endless MLB ready talent. Like whenever they needed to, we've seen them kind of reach into their depth this year um, at certain times, and it hasn't been as powerful or like they haven't contributed as much as uh, past years. So, um, I mean, that being said, though, they're they still have plenty of depth. Um, they're, they always have a 40 man roster crunch if they could cons- kind of consolidate there a little bit. Um, but that's another team that I'm obviously, I don't think they would be committing another <clears throat> 500 mil to Juan Soto. So that would probably be another short term two and a half year or two year move. And then if they don't compete, they, you know, that that's another part of this is if a team that grabs him now is not competing and wants to trade him at a deadline, they can still Bingo. recoup some of these, you know, some of the, what, whatever assets they give up to, you know, two years down the line. So are, 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 Shane, are the Shanes off the table here in Tampa? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, they've got, they've got the arms. Well, Mick, Mick Lanahan is probably off the table. I mean, I'm not saying he should be, I think internally that, but I mean, that organization will, They'll move anyone anytime they want. So I, and that's not even like a cold statement. They just, they're, they don't fall in love with anyone and everyone can, you know, be moved in the right package if it helps the team. So, and I, I I, I mean, Shane Baz, Josh Lowe, you know, that's, that's enough, isn't it? Yeah. And they have, I mean, they still draft and develop as good as any team in the league. So that, that's, that's why there's, um, this team know, should be higher small... on the list that they should be higher on the list. And the only reason they're not probably is because people don't believe that they can, they can pay him. And I, I think that's exactly backwards thinking. I, I think, I think it should be, he's not getting paid anyway. So just get the best prospects you can get. Don't even worry about, you know, dealing with the big boys. I mean, I'm well, sure Morris is in their ear with it, but still that, that, this is yeah. a landing spot for them. Yeah, I and I don't disagree either because they like we've talked about them in the past. They were in on Freddie Freeman um, in this past off season, so they probably have no qualms about committing, you know, the seventy plus mil that Soto will get in arbitration over the next couple seasons. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're legit contenders for them too. They're they're a team that people just aren't lining up because they're not like the big sexy market, but um, yeah. They're obviously always looking to upgrade and they really don't have a cornerstone. Uh, sorry, Franco beyond him. They don't really have a mm-hmm. cornerstone player. They just kind of platoon everything to death and, you know, piece it together. So yeah, I think that they, that that's, that's a move that would be right, right in line with what they like to do. I agree. I, I completely agree. I I would put them ahead of the Yankees right now in terms of that. And, and a lot of it is the Aaron judge stuff. You know, I, I'm not sure where we are with Aaron Judge. 
I, I can't imagine him leaving. I mean, I, I know we tried to equate this to Freddie Freeman, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Dan. It's it's so much bigger than that, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's so it's so much bigger than that. He's going to win the MVP. They're, they're going to be in the deep in the postseason. You know, it's it would shock me at this point if he leaves. You? Um. Yes. Yeah. I, I still think he stays, but um. I mean. <laughs> It's probably reading too much into it, but the all-star comments were not great. Not great. It wasn't a great look. Um, regardless, though, yeah, I mean, I think there's some pressure, you know, for them to sign him. I think it'll happen. I, I think he wants to be there. I think it's a, it's, it's a great spot for him, obviously, the fan base. I, I, don't, I haven't heard one Yankee fan who thinks he, he shouldn't get the contract. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I think he stays long and short of it. I'm with you. Um, the card, we haven't mentioned the Cardinals and they're in a lot of conversations here. You know, certainly they've had, they've had their trades. So I have to imagine that the farm system isn't the best. Am I wrong? Do they have the, do they have the players to get this done? They do have a couple high end guys, which are the, I feel like they're included in, in, um, every time they're, they're looped in, it's like the same Mason Wayne is shortstop. Um, mm-hmm. Matthew Levitor, who has, you know, seen some time this year in the major leagues, big, big time prospect that came over from Tampa in uh, the Arozarena trade a couple years ago. And certainly so, Jordan Walker, who's got no spot with Arenado ahead of him at third base. Yes, exactly. That's the third one there. So, and then, you know, you have other guys like. Um, but where's the arm? <laughs> and that's the thing. It's where's just, the it's arm? pretty much uh, Levitor. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's where that's where and I I've seen it quite a bit. That's where I stop on the Cardinals. I don't know how the Nationals do this without getting at least one arm. I'd be looking for two. What else matters? <laughs> I mean, I mean, who, are we all watching the same game right now? What the hell else matters? Teams are not outscoring teams anymore. You know what I mean? It's just not what the game is. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. It's, I mean, you you have to get both. You you I yeah. don't think they can just rebuild their offense and hope that they can acquire pitching elsewhere or vice versa. Um, because you, you know you can't just target five pitchers in one position player either because pitchers are so high risk in terms of development. No, so, but I'll give them credit. They they've always sneakily added one or two free agents every year. They just mash. I, I just feel like th- that works out in that ballpark for them. So uh, their season turns downward when Strasburg gets injured. Or when one of their players goes down, you know, Scherzer had a had a bad run there for a while. It, it to me, it all it's all about their bullpen, which has been a disaster for forever, and some kind of injury laden starting rotation. I, I feel like they've always been able to hit, you know, and I've watched them quite a bit as a diehard Mets fan here. So, uh, yes, you have to get like I said, a prospect in every position group, but I would be focusing. I would I would be I would be building the package around a pitcher or two. So I, I, Cardinals are somewhat way down this list for me, even though they're not way down many of the other lists. Um, and the team that is down the list, and I know they're down there for you, that I want to finish on is San Francisco. Now they're, look, they're in, they're maybe the favorites for Aaron Judge if it's not the Yankees for a lot of reasons. They were right neck and neck with the Padres and the Dodgers last year. They obviously, you know, had the most wins in baseball at some point. They're taking a step backwards this year. And there's, there's injuries, there's things happening. Um, what, just don't have the, the prospects, Dan? What, what is it with this team? Is this team going backwards and, and it's not the right time for Juan Soto, if, as crazy as that sounds? Uh, what is it that's rubbing you the wrong way about the Giants that I, I feel a little bit more confident about? Um, I wouldn't even say... I, I, it's not that I, I don't like... It's I think they're definitely in play. I, I let, me, let me start over. Okay. They are looking for... They're going to be looking for a big move here, I, I think, coming up. I, I, like whether that's Judge if he gets free and they make a run at him or something. They they last year was sort of I don't want to say it was fluky. They were like a well constructed team. It all worked out. This year they tried to run it back. It's kind of you know mm-hmm. variance has kind of went the other way on them this year. So, but I think in that market, that team, I think they want a cornerstone player to build around. So I could totally see them. Um, but they, I, I think the consensus is high end talent with them is that they have a lot of depth, but Mm -hmm. 
but that they don't really have the the group of high end prospects no. that Washington would. No, if I'm looking at their list right now, I'm seeing a lot of A ball guys, a lot of guys that just haven't developed yet at the top of their prospect list. Yeah, and it's like beyond that, it's like Kyle Harrison, yeah. and um, you know, there's like a couple players that they would probably want but that's that's the feeling i get with the giants personally i think the giants are going to be looking to make a major splash here in the next season or two um whether it's the off season or trade deadlines however you want to lay that out mm-hmm. um i just don't know if it's juan soto or if they have the package to to do it that that's why so many teams are going to be involved in this but really there's only a few that can really blow the doors off of an offer so that it, that's where so much of the biggest variable is exactly what Washington is going to target because they kind of, you know, they're going to kind of have their options, right? They can, they can tailor this however they want to rebuild. Yeah. Now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. Um, and, and, you know, to your point, you started off with what kind of package are they looking for? That's what we don't know. That's we're not in that war room. Maybe they want a long-term rebuild. And maybe what the Giants have is exactly what they want. You know, guys, they can start to develop at the A ball and bring up. Now, I don't think either of us would recommend that based on their development process over the past decade, but that's a, that seems to be a, at least a possibility. I, I'm with you. I think the Giants have to buy players right now. I don't think they have the horses to acquire p- players that are this at, at this caliber. So that's why, to me, why they're in the, the Aaron Judge conversation. You go out and you overpay for Aaron Judge this offseason and do your best to bring him in immediately versus giving up three of your A-ball high-prospect talents to try to bring in Juan Soto at $70 million. I, that's That's where my head is for the Giants. But um, look, we, we've gone through a lot of resources here. I want to finish up, uh, even though this is something you could talk about all damn day. But really, we could bring every team into this conversation. We haven't even talked about the Mets, really not the Yankees. Um, I, I don't know. Are, are they realistic? At the Mets? At the are the Mets realistic of this deadline? Um, oh man, I I have a little trouble with. Um, no, 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 no. I'll I'll take that back. I think the Mets are are. I think they have enough there. Um, I, sorry. They are definitely going to be in on it. I just don't know if they'll have the package to to get it over the top. I mean, Mets fans are like concerned about including francisco alvarez i mean get him out the door if it's juan soto right like who absolutely who cares but i think it's like the next level like the the brent Beatty, ronnie mauricio i i don't know if like that that is going to be enough to get you where some of these other teams can get you but um oh yeah i think the mets are definitely going to be in on this for sure i'm not sure they have that single pitcher right Yep, that's going to be. That's why I'm not even talking about him because I. Right. And it's, it's, I mean, it's David Peterson, right? That, it is. That's probably the one guy. Yeah, that would be it. And I don't know if that the Nationals, that that's the guy. I, at least when you stack it up against all these other offers, there's definitely going to be a better offer out there from a starting pitcher standpoint, which is, like I said, how I would start this process if I'm Washington. Right. Al, the, the attraction there is Alvarez is the number one prospect in baseball now. He, that's what mm-hmm. they're going to be selling is that our package ha- includes the best prospect in baseball. But yeah. um, also, who knows, though? I mean, who, they just got Kybert Ruiz in, in the, the deal last year with the Dodgers. So, I mean, the Dodgers also have catching prospects they can uh, rumor to, like, possibly come back so like are are the nationals actually targeting you know catching prospects in in this deal again i i don't i don't know so that that's why i i don't i don't know what to think of the mets i think they're going to be in on it but i just don't think they can get there yeah no question there's an offer out there i just think it's not one the washington nationals would there'd be a better offer is, is the way i look at it. i don't think the mets can yeah. have the best offer i i'm obligated as a podcaster to ask you this question and We'll, it's fun, so we'll finish on it. There's no chance in hell Otani is involved in this, right? Oh, no. No? <laughs> no. no, I don't even know how you would make it work. I mean, obviously... The Angels, too, man. What are you... Oh, my God. If the Angels did it, I would just absolutely... <laughs> You're trying to have me seizure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's been business done with those teams before, so I... I yeah. I mean, he's next. He's next. We're going to be having this conversation about him soon. 
I know. Yeah, that it's a interesting back to back. We're going to maybe get two uh, historic trades here in uh, maybe consecutive seasons. So, uh, is it possible? It's possible this winter, right? It's possible we're talking about an Aaron Judge eight year contract and a Shohei Otani trade this winter. Very, right. very possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, God, that's going to be fantastic. Um, and at Jacob DeGrom opt out, by the way, which we'll get to in a different podcast. I know. Is there even going to be enough money to go around? It's going to be nuts. <laughs> it's going to be nuts. Somebody, somebody can do a big three signing, sign and trade right there and, and rebuild their entire franchise. There, there you go, Baltimore. We just fixed the yeah, Orioles. Right. <laughs> um, okay. I think we're good. I, I, I mean, is, is anybody else? I, do you want to talk about Cleveland? Yeah, that's my long shot. I know okay. people probably think I'm, I'm high, but um, <laughs> man, Cleveland has needed an outfielder. It, like it's well known. They yeah. have needed an outfielder forever. Since Nick if Swisher. It, yes. And again, <laughs> just to put it out there, they, they would not be a long-term signing candidate. This would be clearly a, we are currently ready to ramp it up for the next two and a half years. It's, we Tampa. Have pro- it's the Tampa conversation. It, it is. They it develop pitchers. They don't love to go big contracts. So it would be the two and a half year rental. It, it's the, it's a carbon copy of Tampa. And they have depth at both. They have a ton of up the middle position yeah. players. They have some decent corner outfield types and they have a ton of pitching. As you had said, they have IM pitching. They have, um, so that, that's like a sleeper. I haven't heard them talked about. Uh, I heard Tom Verducci mention it a couple days ago, just float them saying he thought that they also had enough there. Um, me being close to this team, it's like the one thing that they really need. I mean, obviously every team really needs a Juan Soto, but, um, who is it? Is at, it, is it Tristan McKenzie? Is it, is it Andres Jimenez? Or, I mean, those are names, right? I mean, it could be, or you just go to a next layer. They have so, like I said, they have shortstop, second base type guys. Um, the, Gavin Williams is like a super. He's like a breakout. Yeah. Um, Stephen Kwan, starting pitcher. Right? Uh, <laughs> These I are mean, guys. Yeah, so you have some MLB guys you can include. You have some depth. Um, Owen Miller, Double A, Triple A. There's so that that's why I feel like if Washington focuses on quantity and target, like says. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't necessarily need three top 25 guys or two top 25 guys, but you know, Cleveland has seven top hundred prospects right now. Like if they packaged four of those guys and a couple other guys down the system, um, yeah, we, they acquire we need a legit once. number one or two. We need the best slider relief pitcher possible, right? We need a, a legitimate shortstop candidate. And some sort of corner outfielder to replace Soto, right? Couldn't couldn't put it better. I mean, so can't, that, can't we talk positionally? Isn't that what this is about? You're 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 literally rebuilding your starting nine with this trade. So why you would could, you take theory, right? why, would, why would you take a name because he's on a list? You know what I mean? Like Francisco right. Alvarez is a name on a list. He's the number one name on the list. I don't think he makes any sense for the, for the Washington Nationals. None. So that's why the Mets are way down for me. But. There are teams, and Cleveland is definitely one of them, that can fill up a depth chart for them right now. And they got to be in this conversation. They're not. They should be. Maybe they yeah, are. Yeah, they're not. They're not. But I, just to put a bow on it, in terms of the, the top three teams, I think, who are best suited to co- acquire Soto and not just crush their future value is the Dodgers, the Rays, and the Guardians. In that order, mm. in my opinion, all of those teams could get Juan Soto and still have prospect value down the line to succeed or not to, you know, they're not just gutting their team to bring him in. Now, those other teams too could theoretically do it as well, but yeah. I just think those three are, are kind of primed for uh, that move. But I, I mean, I, I'm not betting that, that Cleveland does it. I'm just saying that I, you know, if we're looking at teams that could theoretically do it, they're, they're in that group. It's a perfect finish. Good stuff, man. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike. All right, Scott, let's talk some golf. Um, big announcement yesterday from the Live Tour. I think this was expected. Obviously, the first couple of tournaments have been, I don't know, positive, I think, from their end. I, I know there's been a lot of back and forth, and certainly as more players and analysts and things like that start to jump ship, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stay in the news. Big-time cash investment here. We're talking about over $400 million in purses, over 14 tournaments on next year's schedule. Now, that's five new tournaments. Sounds like it's going to be spread out across the uh, the world a little bit more. Obviously, you know, probably half those events are in America. But uh, just your general thoughts on this. 
the money shouldn't surprise you because we've heard the numbers from some of these players and some of the offers that have been thrown out there. But, you know, a couple of pieces I read on this in terms of the announcements, the, the one thing that seems to be missing to me is any sort of network inclusion at, at all, whether it's their own streaming model, you know, their own app that they're developing that, that can become the preeminent technological golf system, which, by the way, that's how I'd be spending my money if I had an unlimited cash pool, <laughs> um, or just simply tying up with one of these networks. Um, what, what stood out to you? Is, is it the dollars? Is it the expansion? Um, what's missing in your, in your regard? Just kind of give us the global breakdown here. No, I, the, the money itself is not a surprise because they've been rumored to go to the 14 tournaments and increase the purse anyways. Um, I, I think the biggest is the, the, the broadcast or however they're going to show it outside of being on YouTube live and anything like that. So I think the, that is the biggest missing piece outside of players jumping ship, bringing over analysts, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, they're going to get somewhere. But the PGA isn't just a one-trick pony with this. So, you know, the PGA is on NBC, on CBS, on ESPN, on ESPN+. Plus. They have the PGA Network. You know, there's a golf channel that NBC kind of partners with. There's a lot. And then the, the actual um, majors themselves, most of them have some sort of broadcast app streamability. So there's a lot out there for the PGA. And the fact that they're not all tied to one network probably makes it harder for the live tour to actually jump in because I don't think somebody's going to offer both. Do, do you, do you think somebody will be okay at the end saying what well, we can do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not. No. Um, so that leaves Fox. It leaves Fox from a, a, a major network standpoint, but then you have the likes of if Apple or Amazon okay. or any Let's streaming talk about this because exclusive. you're probably right. The, the, the live tour might not even want, you know, the old school network, you know, they may not want to go that route. The broadcast television. I think you're probably dead on here that they're better off attaching their hips to one of these major streaming networks. Like many of the sports are trying to do now anyway, because you can offer so much more. I know, you know, you, even five years ago, Scott, you were in on a drug TV subscriber. You were talking about, you know, the multiple hole angles and, and things like that, that some of these majors were offering. That's obviously everywhere now. You can use the, the Masters app and kind of get any look you want through that entire tournament. But streaming platforms can, can do this. They can build in technology. They can build in all sorts of new invention, you know, innovative stuff. Why would Liv even want to drop into Fox right now, you know? Right. And if they're trying to go to the demographic of, you know, a, a younger demographic, I know PGA, what it, it's in the upper 50s, 60s is their demographic right now. If Liv is trying to get the de- lower demographic, then you want to go to a platform where on the fly, they can easily pull it up on their phone, their tablet, you know, TikTok or YouTube. They're on YouTube now, but the, it, they have to pivot to a way to, to, to appease to the, the younger demographic. The, the, the tricky mm-hmm. thing is going to be which streaming platform wants to partner up with Liv. I think that's the biggest situation. Yeah. Everybody's just kind of sitting back waiting. I think you've, you've heard in the past couple of weeks here, all of these big analysts have been made an offer and everybody's just kind of afraid to be the first one to go. Somebody's going to do it and, and that's going to really start the gravy train. And, and once big names start being tired to call these, these events. And now that there's 14, that's, that's a pretty decent schedule. Somebody's going to say, look, there's just too much here. We have to show this on our network. We have to show this. We have to build an app for it. We have to partner with them from, from a, a streaming standpoint. It's coming. It's just not here yet. I, I'm surprised that it wasn't even, it's, it wasn't even a paragraph in any of these, these releases. You understand what I'm saying? Like, It's the elephant yep. in the room. And to me, this, this signifies that there's really no traction right now, but it is, it is clearly where they're putting most of their energy with the, the, the broadcasts and things like that. Um, no mention about expanding the amount of players that can play either. <laughs> Uh, right. That, and that was just that stood out to me. The 48 players per tournament times 14 tournaments. Does that mean, Scott, in your opinion, that not everybody will play all 14? Do you think it'll be kind of a, a rotating thing? 
Yeah, I do. Based on the players that I have in the system from tracking the money and the tournaments, I have 61 players Mm. in the system right now. So obviously every tournament, there's going to be a handful of players that aren't joining in on a tournament. So I was kind of surprised to see that the 48 was still going to stick as well, because that means you may have some uh, bigger named players that aren't necessarily going to be in a tournament or yeah. may, maybe there's a, the deal for the players that have the multi-year deal have a clause in their contract that says they're allowed to be in all of the tournaments and you know some of the lower players are not necessarily going to have the opportunity to go in certain tournaments okay last point um I'm reading an ESPN article here, so I'm, I'm not sure where you're getting your references from, but uh, they made note of something I had not been aware of, which is that the Live Tour has acquired the Asian Tour, and they're going to do a special series all throughout the Thailand and, the, and Korea and Vietnam and the Middle East and, and China. That's a big deal. That's a hell of a lot of people. And you know, you follow the NBA, Scott, you know how important that fan base is to the NBA. This is not dumb, right? I mean, this is not... Look, when, when the PGA Tour gets an Asian descent player who can play, who can compete, and we, they've got a few right now, it's a really big deal to the sport because it brings in so many new eyeballs from an area that you know, just doesn't actually you know, generally get the coverage because of the time difference and things like that. They're going hard at this. They're going to they're gonna play golf at these venues. They're going to these countries. And they're going to attract those types of players. Let's just be honest. So you start pulling those players out of the PGA, it's just another element of revenue loss, the eyeballs lost, of, uh, of availability to, that, to those you know, general PGA events. I'm not talking the majors again. I'm talking about the PGA schedule. It's really smart. I did not re- realize that they had this investment already built into it and that that's part of the 2023 schedule now as well. That's in addition to the 14 scheduled tournaments they're doing basically an entire series throughout that Asian tour. Um, just your thoughts there. This is this they're, they're they're building the NBA model, Scott, aren't they? Yeah, it's super interesting. Big, big money they, and and go go where all the eyeballs are. <laughs> right, and it, it, and they're trying to truly make it a, more of a global sport than the PGA, where it's mostly in the United States, and then you got your majors overseas too. Um, right. They already have some of the Asian players that are on the live tour. I've heard some other Asian players rumored to be potentially yeah, maybe- was on that list, isn't he? Right. So if that's the case, then that's a huge get for them, especially with that series. Yeah, Morikawa, um, he's, he's kind but, of tinkering. But it, it shows that the live golf situation is a serious situation, and they are truly trying to go – more global. And if going back to the streaming, if they can really get the right streaming entity to help, that's going to potentially, uh, you know, increase eyeballs, increase fandom because, you know, Fox, I don't know if Fox and NBC are really going to be, you know, a platform over in the Asian market, but a streaming platform may have a better, um, well, let me ask you this presence, on that, on that note, because we talked about how the PGA is kind of spread out, you know, sort of like football is to some degree, basketball back and forth between ESPN and TNT. And then it's just, you make more money that way, obviously. But do fans like that? I hate it as a baseball fan. I'm bouncing all yeah. over the place now. Friday's Apple, Sunday's Peacock, you know, the Mets are on their local network three, four times a week, but sometimes they're not. Fox takes a game on Saturday. It's all over the place, and it's, it's money. But if Liv doesn't care about that, if they're simply just looking for the best way to get to their fans, they can just choose one element or build their own element. To me, that's an advantage over the PGA, right? The, the, between if, I, if I'm streaming, for instance, am I going to the NBC app? Am I going to the CBS app? Do I have to have subscriptions to both? You understand what I'm saying, Scott? So I, oh, I, I actually think do. that not only is... Not only is the streaming possibility going to help, going to benefit them in the short term, but having a singular entity, which they can afford to do will actually be a better play than the PGA tour. And by the way, that's probably the sell they're making to these broadcasters and analysts that they're trying to woo over to their system. So I, I, I agree with you. I think getting into just Apple TV, like, ma- like major league soccer just did and 
like some of these, you know, I think the PLL just did with ESPN plus it's really good. It's really smart. I know you can make more money if you bounce around and shop yourself, you know, shop your Thursday schedule here and your Saturday schedule here, but they got three days, 14 times a year in the live golf. And if, if one person is paying a lot of money to them to, to show that it's consistent, it's reliable, and it's just going to make it easier for fans to catch on board, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Anything else? Uh, who's next? Yeah. Is Cam Smith actually, going? Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know who's going to go, but from a monetary standpoint, uh, the number one earner through to- two tournaments, Brandon Grace at $6.6 million is more than all of earnings of PGA players and tournaments outside of the top four right now. He'd be uh, top Scottie five in PGA for the whole year. Is that what you're saying? As of right now wow. with only two tournaments. Yeah. Wow. So the money is legit. And depending on how the last six tournaments go, if, if he plays lights out, you know, he could be, and that's only could, six days of golf. Scott. That's six days of golf for 6.6 right. 6 million. Right. My goodness. It, it's, it, it, it's David and Goliath right now is what it is. Oh yeah. He, it, depending on how things flush out for the remainder of this live year, uh, you know, he, he, he or whoever else could crush Scotty Scheffler's earnings for this season. He, and Scotty Scheffler's at 13 million. So um, the the element of individual plus team play just adds that extra element of you know incentive, money, whatever it might be. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see when all is said and done with the the season how things flush out. So last question then. Uh, you mentioned the team stuff. I like it a lot. I think a lot of people do. We've seen this in NASCAR. We've seen this in a couple of places. And the PGA does do this in certain events. What kind of things do you think the PGA will adopt or react to? You know, this is sort of like AF in the NFL. There's always going to be some kind of carryover, even if it can't live forever. Um, what kind of changes are you hearing rumors of, or do you just anticipate could be coming to the PGA schedule, gameplay, uh, et cetera? Uh, from, from what I'm hearing, one is in most of these things that I'm hearing have been rumored to be in the works already. It's just the PGA is slower in pulling the trigger. It sounds like they're going to a true year calendar season. So the, the tournaments would start in January. It sounds like there might be some team play coming down the line, but I, I haven't heard specifics, uh, nor when that time frame is going to actually is that happen. harder because of the individual sponsorships? Do you think you understand what I'm saying? Like you can't have a titleist guy and a Taylor right guy playing on the same team. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that, that may be a situation or, you know, a, a roadblock to some, yeah. uh, aspects. Um, but you know, the PGA is going to have to start expediting some of their uh, whatever is in their their flow, um, because if Liv is expediting their process going, they're already upgrading to 14 tournaments and they're increasing the purse. Uh, you know, PGA is going to have to do something because, you know, if if more golfers, especially some of the amateurs that have already yep. gone to live out out of college. Uh, those are players that they may miss the opportunity to have in, in the PGA. So, uh, there's going to have to be some, uh, and I'm sure it's happening internal expedite expediting of whatever plans that they've already been talking about. Last point for me. And, uh, I'm certainly not trying to make this a political conversation, but it is a part of this. Uh, I mean, Trump's got like six of these, six of these events at his, at his, you know, his venues across America. If he gets back into the spotlight here, you know, and maybe not in the presidency, but at least campaigning for that, the term live golf is going to be placed all over the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, he's going to be giving them so much publicity because they're, he's hosting the events that it's going to be an unbelievable hill to climb for the PGA tour to keep up with that. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. I mean, he's the ultimate promoter. And if they're paying him money to have events at his places, he's going to be talking it up left and right. So, and then you put a guy like Barkley in there as well, which they're trying to do right now. That's, it's not an accident. 
<laughs> it's no, not it's an not. accident. They want it, guys it, who talk and gals who talk uh, because it's all about, as any small business, it's about word of mouth. And right. they are attacking the right, the right people in that regard. So if you're the PGA and you think you can just kind of exist and, and latch on for dear life, you haven't even gotten to the hard part yet, in my opinion. Because when Trump gets a hold of this thing, and it starts this week, when he gets a hold of this thing and then gets his platform back, whatever that looks like, it's going to be everywhere. Everywhere. No, I agree with that. I saw, I think it was Darren Ravel. He said that just last week's coverage of Charles Barkley and the rumors to live was worth over $15 million. <laughs> and that wasn't even Charles promoting it or anything. So you're right. Once you get the right people backing it, or if Trump gets yeah. up there and starts speaking to it, then you're right. It, it's going to have uh, legs of its own. Is there a women's tour coming? I have not heard anything about that, but I would not be shocked by it. Why not a co-ed? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're trying to be different. There's plenty of women out there that can hit long these days and, and keep up with this. Well, you could compromise a, a situation aspect. that would really draw eyeballs. Yeah, and from a team aspect, if you did two, two males and two females, uh, then you're you're really hitting all demographics from all over the world. Yep. Uh, and I'm, that, that's a fascinating uh, entity that the PGA, LPGA, they haven't done, mm -hmm. at least that I can remember. So, yeah, that would definitely be something to set them apart even more. Yeah, we're not done talking about this. Um, I know you're tracking it and keeping up with it. So anything, uh, obviously, that comes up and keep us up, up to date on that uh, live slash PGA comparison rankings because I, I have a feeling that's going to turn over in the next couple of weeks here. <laughs> right. Of the top yeah, five. absolutely. All right. Uh, last thing. I can't have you on here and not talk NBA. What's going on? Su super quiet, <laughs> just kind of finalizing numbers. We're waiting on James Harden's finalizations. Uh, the Durant stuff is really dying down. I'm not even going to make you hot take that. I think we're just going to have to wait and see on that one. I, I, I think we both assume it's stay until he doesn't have to stay, right? Because he right. certainly doesn't yep. have to go. That's that's nope. the way I look at it. Um, anything else that you think is on the cusp in terms of the NBA? Are are the Lakers going to do something here? Are are some of these teams that are have some trade candidates waiting at this point in time? Are we done with the? timing for cap purposes in this off season? Are we, are we truly in like the, uh, you know, the backside of this thing now? Yeah, we really are on the backside. It's mostly just, you know, filling out, uh, the roster for training camp, signing exhibit 10, exhibit nine deals, uh, getting, getting those locked up sort of mm -hmm. so that if they do get cut, they're going to go to the G league affiliate most likely. Um, it, we had a, a Monty Williams contract extension that came last week, but um, for for Phoenix with the his head coaching position. But otherwise, it's it's quiet. I, I don't expect anything to really ramp up here until probably later August, uh, when we'll start hearing probably uh, you know more talk of rookie extensions outside of those max that we had. Maybe even trade rumors will ramp up even more. I think it's just, there's just that lull now of everybody being off. Okay. I, I, I think the Lakers-Pacers stuff still has traction, if I had to guess. And I'm positive the Donovan Mitchell stuff still has traction. But yeah, Danny, Ainge I, I is, Danny Ainge is waiting until the very last minute to get the best deal. Uh, he's, he's, that's just what Danny Ainge does. So Right, and there's no reason to necessarily yeah. pull any trigger right now yeah. because you know everyone is out and about during the because summer league is over so now is their you know their their vacation time and then they'll come back and then you, you'll start seeing things ramp up as training camp gets closer so i expect uh, as we get deeper into august we'll start hearing more but you know yeah you're right there the conversations with the lakers pacers or mitchell Knicks, wherever it might be yeah that's going to happen and um it, who knows? Out of nowhere, we could end up having a, a massive trade that we can jump back on and have a conversation about well, it. Well, I know Mitchell's spending some time in New York. I saw him throwing out a first pitch at one of the Mets farm teams, which I believe he invests in. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Russell Westbrook is real estate shopping in Indianapolis right now. Just <laughs> That's what they're doing for their summer vacations. But I, I do think those, those two situations have some serious traction before we get to 
September and October and things get real. But yeah, I, look, it wasn't a boring off season by any regards, but people sitting around waiting for Kevin Durant to, you know, join the Clippers. I, I just think we got to put the pause on that. I could be wrong, but I, it feels like all the smarter people than us are, are telling us, let's just wait. Cause Brooklyn yep. finally figured out that they don't have to do this. I don't know why they needed us to tell them, but <laughs> they don't have to do this, you know? Right. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Good stuff, man. All right. Have a good one. Okay. My thanks to Scott and Dan. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track. Get 40% off that first year. Download the app and read all the Juan Soto content because it's everywhere and it's important and it's relevant. And it's probably going to mean something in the next week or so. So visit theathletic.com slash track. Visit dynastyowner.com. Get your fantasy football season started now. It's late. It's late. Get going on that. Use code SPOTTREK20. Take $20 off your registration. Get in there and start figuring out all these real NFL salary cap situations, including some, some changes probably forthcoming with Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf and maybe even Jimmy Garoppolo over the next couple of weeks here. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Schnitty. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast. 